once again, it is Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. I'm Lauren. I've been burping. <laughs> Hopefully that didn't pick up on the microphone. And we're off to a cracking start once more. I would say my burps are more of a croak than a crack. <laughs> well, you have no more kittens. Nope, they all went home, which is great. I have a, I'll have a short break, at least for a few days. How's Minerva? She's an asshole, as usual. I love her. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Well, I took my first trip since the pandemic. What was that like? Where did you go? Went to Whistler. And uh, Whistler is one of those little mountain communities here in BC. And uh, in the wintertime, it's a ski resort. And in the summertime, they just sort of convert all the ski trails into hiking trails, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. the town is one of those... And to picture the town... Imagine one of those towns that has a store that exclusively sells fudge. Yeah, I mean, there are stores that exclusively sell fudge. They're store, they're, they make fudge. They're fudge makers. <laughs> <laughs> what is so now, funny about that? <laughs> I had a mental image. So you know how traditionally a lot of surnames will be based on professions? Uh-huh. I regretted that my last name is not Fudge Maker. <laughs> In the vein of Baker or, you know, right, Smith. Right, 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 right. Well, I mean, yeah, Russ there are some places fudge that's... Maker. <laughs> there are places that specialize in fudge. Yes, there are places that specialize in fudge. A... And... Yeah, good. But generally, they're, they're found in those places where the entire town looks like the exterior of a Cracker Barrel, you know? Mm, there. But anywho, no, it was a monastery in Oregon that people go to for fudge. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't. Maybe it's in Washington. I can't remember. Yeah, there's there are fudge making monts. But now we have what you just did was invent like the best hipster band name of all time because the fudge making monks of Oregon is poetry. They might be Washington. The fudge making monks of Washington. Yeah. I learned from my office building, I can see Mount Baker. Neat. Which is apparently in Washington. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not too far from Bellingham. Uh, but no, it was lovely. Um, lots of people. Masks were appropriate. <laughs> you went you out know, to like times. a nice scenic place and your comment is lots of people. You see, you're the outdoorsman among us. Like, I don't understand nature. I don't understand hiking. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but my prettier half likes hiking. And so she said if I went hiking, I could have a Guinness at the end of it. So, you know, I rolled with it. <laughs> and then I didn't regret the hike because I saw two marmots. Oh, I like marmots. Yeah, they were not shy at all. You know, they didn't seem to care about you, really. It's like, but if you observed them going about their days, they uh, were all too happy to sit there and eat grass with you gazing at them. So one thing people don't really know. So I grew up on the East Coast, and they had groundhogs, as mm. you know, the famous Puxatani Phil and such. And when I saw a marmot, I was like, yeah, it looks kind of like a groundhog. Turns out the groundhog is the Eastern marmot. What do you know about that? Yeah, but we're still talking about, like... The outdoors, and we're supposed to be reading poems. Well, do you have a poem about the outdoors? No. Oh, what's your poem this week? Well, well, then maybe you should go first if you have a poem about the outdoors. Is it related to your vacation? It is not at all. Oh, neither is mine. Okay. <laughs> so I'm doing stone telling. Ooh. How do we tell if a window is open? Just throw a stone at it. Does it make a noise? 
It doesn't? Well, it was open. Now, let's try another. Crash! It wasn't. Why did you choose stone-telling? So, I got a a jury summons. (laughs) Oh, yes. Which is a great waste of time for everybody, because nobody's going to put me on a jury. And the last time I got a jury summons, I uh, was definitely not put on a jury. For two reasons. One, because I had an arrest record for the Iraq War protest back in 2003. And two... I mouth off at the prosecuting attorney. Have you ever been found in contempt? They've never let me in a court. Okay. I, I didn't know if like the contempt <laughs> stuff could be brought over to like jury selection where no. like if you wear a t shirt that says like F U or something. No, no, the the uh the prosecuting attorney is gonna be was like, Okay, so we're gonna use something called circumstantial evidence. And circumstantial evidence is like when you look outside and the road is wet. Can you then assume that it rained? And I said, no. Absolutely not. No, maybe somebody washed their car. This metaphor is tortured at best. Yes, and I was like, so I was definitely not put on that jury. But that's um, not mouthing off. That's just factual. It is. I mean, that in my opinion, it is. But so... I chose this poem because uh, of the jury summons and because this is uh, the sort of deductive reasoning that <laughs> that I was mouthing off about. I would learn a thing. Hmm. I, I don't recall where I was reading this, but it was debunking common misconceptions. Mm-hmm. And specifically like the Holmesian kind of things like you just described, where right. it's like, if it's wet outside, it must be raining. And that is not deductive reasoning, because deductive reasoning derives from a general rule to a specific conclusion that is always true. And in your case, lots of things could make the road wet. Well, it's still deductive reasoning, even if it's incorrect. Like, the method is deductive. It's abductive reasoning. Abductive. And abductive reasoning relies on incomplete observations to come to a best prediction, which may or may not be true. So that whole, like, Holmesian deductive reasoning, it's not deductive, it's abductive. Well, and it's completely semantics, and I, but, I, but I love semantics. I'm not, I see, I'm not sure about that. I would think that abductive reasoning would be, like, in order for... Abductive reasoning might be that you come to a conclusion that may or may not be true, uh, but there's the awareness that it may, not be, may or may not be true, whereas deductive reasoning is coming to a... So, uh, like a certain conclusion that can be disproved by one fa- like false statement like oh in this case that's not true and so then the whole deductive reasoning falls apart i have sent you a helpful chart on chat oh boy i like reasoning matrices um deductive reasoning conclusion guaranteed inductive reasoning conclusion merely likely abductive reasoning taking your best shot i guess my question is is does it require awareness does it require awareness that you're taking your best shot? Like, if you have a certainty that something is correct and then it is disproven, is it just, you know, then, then is it abductive reasoning or is it just, you know, crappy deductive reasoning? Next week on Shall We Read a Poem, we bring in a logician. Ad- oh, and then there's a difference between adductive and abductive. Oh, dear. And abductive reasoning. I have actually never heard of adductive and abductive reasoning before. That's very strange. Our listeners hate us now. <laughs> Oh, well, now we've Russ, been going you took off us down another we know nothing about. 
Okay, well, I know I'm going to go back to my poem and talk about a childhood experience instead. <laughs> you should talk about a childhood experience. I can tell you about a childhood experience rather than trying to talk about <laughs> reasoning. <sighs> I was going to go also on a rant about jury duty. Which one would oh, you prefer? Please do. Both. Okay, so my rant about jury duty is that juries are trying... When, when they're selecting for juries, they want someone who uh, doesn't have any information about the trial, one, which is reasonable, and two... They want someone who has zero biases about the trial, about the people involved in the trial, which is less reasonable because... Or people who are good at hiding their biases. Right. So, I mean, but like, they, if they're good at hiding them, then that's not what they're really trying to get. They're just, that's just what they got. Um, mm. But they're, they're pretty much looking for people who don't exist. They, you're not kidding. Yeah, they're looking for people who are com- like who are completely un- unopinionated and uninformed, and those people don't exist. And the people who are the most uninformed and unopinionated aren't really representative of the rest of the world, or the rest. Especially if you're if you're supposed to have a jury of peers, then these people who have no information, and know nothing, and care about nothing, or or think they care about nothing, they're not your peers. They're weird. They're definitely not. Like the only way a jury trial actually plays out normally in my head is if we have like a vat of like tabula rasa clones that are taught sort of basic A equals B equals C arguments and just sort of shoved into the jury box. Yeah, I don't know. So they'll never put they'll never put me on a on a jury because I have opinions. Even if I tried to hide them, like all they would have to do is look at my social media and be like, "Oh, we want a mistrial. Look at this bitch." Um, <laughs> you, there. You also have pink hair. I also have pink hair in Portland. That's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, my, and uh, also, I know I I am interested in and curious about things, and so I look for information. I, I like I. I care about the legal system, and I care about our prison industrial complex, and and I have feelings, and they're never going to put me on a trial. And that doesn't, but that doesn't make me less qualified to make a judgment. Just because I have good information on something should make you more qualified to make a judgment rather than less. Well, I mean, lawyers want a team of people they can manipulate, and yeah. independent thinking doesn't play well into that narrative. No. No, but I think it. I think that's one of the reasons why we have such a high rate of not punishing people who actually committed the crime, rather than just someone who looks like, eh, he'll do. Yep. In the 21st century, your jurors are chosen from a subreddit, and you just get to pick the subreddit. <laughs> oh, that sounds easy. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so childhood memory. And my dad was my sole parent for a certain amount of time in my childhood. Uh, and so I always went to a babysitter of some sort or another. And I also was a goody two-shoes. In any case, uh, one of my babysitters, a house was being built next to to the babysitter. And the babysitter had this kid who was my age, this boy. And one day, he threw a stone and broke one of the windows on purpose. So because mm. I was a goody two-shoes, I went and tattled on him. No, I told, told the babysitter about her son breaking the window, and usually, and I was often a tattletale and told on him for various things. But this is the first time she didn't look at me with just sort of a, a exasperation, like, "Yep, my kid's being a shit again." The, at this point, she looked at me with like horror and went out to get him, and you know, send him to his room or whatever. 
And then she turned to me afterward and she was like, no one likes a tattletale. And I was like, that's a different reaction than I normally get. And it wasn't until like earlier this week when I was thinking about it again that I realized what that was all about. And that was the early version of snitches get stitches. Yeah, well, kind of. It was, I don't think they had the money to afford replacing that window on the house. And I think it was a financial thing where she was afraid I would tell my dad who would then tell somebody else and they would end up financially responsible for this broken window. And uh, that's very understandable that they would be freaked out like that. But, you know, it took me like 32 years, 31 years to figure (laughs) that out. That's clearly a formative memory for you. Yeah, well, I have lots of memories when something was, when things were abnormal. Like when I got a response that I wasn't expecting. Mm. Did you find that after that exchange, you amended your tattle-telling ways? Uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, this that is... That was unequivocal. This is clearly unwelcome. Because before, before, I thought that parents actually wanted to like control their children and uh, actually appreciated the tattle-telling. T- and then I realized that they didn't. And as an adult, I completely get that. Like, you do not have time to be, like, controlling everything your child does, and it's that sort of nagging is unwelcome. But in this case, it was more uh, significant than that because they couldn't afford to fix what their son had done. We were, like, six. It was, like, not a big thing. It was not a big deal. It was a six-year-old. Please don't think this is, like, some some kid who was growing up to be, like, some delinquent later in life. I don't know what happened to him, but he was six. It was fine. Whatever. And that boy grew up to be, you guessed it, Donald Trump. <laughs> Definitely his name was not Donald Trump. And also Donald Trump <laughs> is way older than I am. <laughs> it, I mean, there's lots of, kind of kinds of kids, but there's definitely two kinds with tattling. One is the one that's looking for, as you were, looking for some sort of social justice. Mm-hmm. Like this, here was a bad thing that happened and someone needs to know about it. But then you do have kids that at the age of six are just looking to stir up drama and will tell on people for minor things or will make up stories about people. Well, I did tell on them for minor things, but it was because I thought that was a helpful thing to do. Yeah. It's like you're doing the right thing. You're not tattletaling just to try and you know, stir the pot. Yeah. Which is funny as I get older, as I'm like an adult, I'm like, fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tattle about everything and I'm going to stir up. Am I the drama? I don't think I'm the drama. Maybe I am. Am I the drama? <laughs> but, uh, well, my, uh, my poem for today was the Googies are coming. Oh no, this is another problematic one. Isn't it? Oh, God. Let's talk about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're getting to the ones that I've been avoiding because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I have to, t- we, uh, we have to do this at some point. Okay, let's go. The Googies are coming. The Googies are coming, the old people say, to buy little children and take them away. 50 cents for fat ones, 20 cents for lean ones, 15 cents for dirty ones, 30 cents for clean ones. A nickel each for mean ones. The googies are coming, and maybe tonight, to buy little children and lock them up tight. Eighty cents for husky ones, quarter for the weak ones. Penny each for noisy ones, a dollar for the meek ones. Forty cents for happy ones, eleven cents for sad ones. 
and kitties, when they come to buy, it won't do any good to cry. But just between yourself and I, they never buy the bad ones. <sighs> I can tell you have thoughts. Oh, gosh. It's a very racist poem. <laughs> it's a, well, not a, I mean, it's racist, it's ableist, it's, yeah. it's a number of things. Yeah. I mean, I'm... I'm pretty sure that the googies in this case are the gypsies, but I'm, the, the I'm pretty sure the, the 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 illustration isn't isn't helpful. No, um, it does kind of look like Roma characterization, but also maybe babushka. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of Roma sla- hat slash babushka happening there. Oh, who is the actually the the babushka? I'm thinking of is uh, Baba Yaga. Oh yeah, Baba Yaga, and that's and and really. Baba Yaga is not so racist because Baba Yaga is supposed to be this, like, witchy, like, kidnapping thing. Yeah, and stripped of all else, you know, like, well, I mean, children being used as livestock and pricing accordingly. Yeah, slavery, Um, again. And slavery. Uh, Stripped of all else, it's it's just a, uh, I mean... uh, It's like Krampus or, you know, getting coal in your stocking. It's just the do right or these bad people will take you away um but i do like the twist what's the way around it to be as lauren would be be one of the bad ones so if it's baba yaga it's not that big of a deal because baba yaga is supposed to be a child eating creature i very much love that you said that wasn't a big deal (laughs) well i mean baba yaga is is not it's not like you're pointing at a group of people and being like this group of people are the boogeymen they're gonna they're gonna get you it's like this folk this 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 beast from folklore this this villain will come and get you and that's what the villain does yeah and for me that's the best read of this poem right and of course on the flip side it does get really sinister because it's like what's worth more the a noisy one or a quiet meek one i know cuz they want it like, yeah they want the they want the really obedient ones mhm 80 cents for husky ones they can do the work quarter for the week well i ones, think it's because they the, the, i figured the husky ones was for eating well you see i thought the fat ones were for eating oh husky versus fat okay yeah, cuz it's like if you have a if you have a plow pony you're not going to eat that. <laughs> <laughs> For me the poem how problematic it is depends on whether it's Baba Yaga or this person is supposed to be Roma Gypsy. Uh and Surely. uh looking at the picture I'm guessing less Baba Yaga. <laughs> it's problematic. Yeah, the 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 person in the picture is uh not really wearing clothes I associate with with Slavic old ladies i mean she's wearing a hake uh thing a scarf around her head which could go anyway but i don't know the patterns on her clothes don't look particularly russian to me and in a larger sense it was it was just this concept of like the boogeyman that doesn't exist and a lot of narrative surprisingly in the pnw growing up and not being aware of it and then becoming aware of it as i got older You'll see a lot of societal ills, particularly from, you know, conservative viewpoints being foisted on the them. Like, they want this to happen. They're coming for your guns. They're going to force you to take the vaccine and all like that. And it's just the nebulous, non-existent creature that is going to do all of these things. And because it's easier to have a monster that is in control and a monster that is going to do all these things when indeed no one's at the rudder and, you know, 
we're just trying to chaos as best we can. Okay, I'm just looking up something. I was decided to look up this poem. Oh boy! Uh, so I'm on this website, and this is the first one that came up for me on my phone from this website called citykin.com families and urbanism in cincinnati and it says for some reason we have two copies of where the sidewalk ends at our house i think one was my wife's and one was mine but anyway i just noticed last night that in the newer one the word gypsy was changed to googie i don't know much about silverstein but i am assuming that when he wrote the original in in 1974 that he was unaware of the gypsy roma history of discrimination I'm pretty sure that the Googie change came before Shel Silverstein died in 1999. Hmm. Well, there you go. It is not so, yeah, Baba Yaga. Problematic from birth. Yeah. And we're, and we're both working off the newer edition. Yes, we're working off the newer edition. Uh, the 20th century. I, sorry, the 20th. Uh, sorry, 40 years. 40th anniversary of the publication of Where the Sidewalk Ends. Shell, we've sussed you out. You're 22 years in the grave, but we've come for you. <laughs> Cancel Shell Silverstein. Cancel Shell Silverstein. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be devastated. I know. <laughs> yeah, I guess the last thing I have to say about this poem is that uh, it ends with a lot of, uh, like a lot of Shell's poems do, with the like, be mischievous and bad. But he's very... Which isn't a bad lesson. No, it isn't. Like the be, be rebellious, which I definitely as a kid, I would not be, I was not rebellious. Good kids breed bad adults. It's true. It's true. I was a very, very good child, and I am not a very good adult. Fuck the police. Abolish the police. Defund the police. Mm-hmm.